Hello, welcome back to Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. I am G2. I am here to bring you your Wrestling Highlights of the Week for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, and Impact Wrestling. But before I get into those topics, if you could, please, wherever you are listening to this podcast, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Audible, wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you could, leave a review and you could subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated because when you do those things, it allows the algorithms to uh, put this podcast more into people's uh, algorithms and people will know that this podcast exists. And that would greatly be beneficial to me. So with that, I would thank you. Now, with that all being said, let's get into Monday Night Raw. Raw will open up with an in-ring promo from Edge. Edge will be out here to call out Dominic Mysterio. Edge will recount the times when Ray first got into WWE and he would play with Dominic in the catering. He would mention how whenever they had a show in Long Beach, he would crash at the Mysterio's household. Edge is basically setting the table for him, saying that he's known the Mysterio's for so long and that he's known Dominic since he was a small boy. Edge would say that he doesn't know exactly why Dominic does this, but he has a feeling because he accidentally speared Dominic and he makes it clear that it was an accident. And Dom is now at the point that he is now a WWE superstar. He's no longer that little kid. And now Edge wants to fight him. So Edge, again, will call out Dominic. But instead of Dominic coming out, Rey Mysterio will come out. Rey will come into the ring and start pleading with Edge not to hurt his son. Edge will say that Dominic is old enough to stand for his actions. So Edge, will again, will call Dominic out. But instead of Dominic, Rhea Ripley will come out this time. Rhea will say that Edge was trying to replace Dominic and Ray was trying to protect his baby boy. But he isn't a baby boy anymore. He is now a grown man. Dominic will then come out and he's all in black and he stands next to Rhea Ripley. So Dominic has officially joined the Judgment Day. Ray will tell Dom that there's enough time for him to do the right thing and apologize to Edge. Rhea would say that it's too late for that and tells Edge that he can't stop his Judgment Day. Rhea and Dom will start walking to the ring. Ray will tell Edge that he could do this by himself. He doesn't want to get in between Dominic and Edge. He can do what he got to do. Ray would meet Dominic as he's trying to talk some sense to Dom, but Dom wouldn't look at Ray. Ray would then walk away, and Edge would now get attacked by Finn Balor and Damian Priest, who slid into the ring behind Edge and start beating him up. Edge will be able to hold his own on this two-on-one assault until Dom would chop block Edge behind one of his legs. And now Finn and Damien are in control. Ray would come down to the ring and try to help Edge out, but Rhea Ripley and Dom will play defense, stopping Ray. Dom would throw Ray into Rhea Ripley. Rhea would hit Ray with a forearm behind the head, then throw him into the steel steps. Rhea Ripley would then go underneath the ring and grab a steel chair, hand it to Dominic, and Dominic would hand the steel chair to Finn. Finn will start attacking Edge's leg, then putting the chair on his leg and going up to the top turnbuckle, jumping off, hitting the coup de grace on the leg, so now Edge is in the ring, screaming in pain, holding his leg. Ray would finally get in the ring, and then you see Finn and Damien leave the ring, and later in the night, you will see Ray Mysterio backstage, and he will call out any member of the Judgment Day to have a match with him, any member except Dominic and Rhea, so basically it gets down to Finn and Damien Priest, and Damien Priest would accept the match, so we would get Ray versus Damien Priest later in the night. So the first match of the night would be the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Championship number one contenders match. The New Day going against Alpha Academy, going against Los Lotharios, going against the Street Profits. This will end with a no contest when Chad Gable had Montez Ford's ankle in an ankle lock. And as you see Chad putting the squeeze on the ankle lock and it looks like Montez is trying to hold back from tapping out, you will hear Braun Strowman's music play. 
Braun Strowman is now back in WWE, and Braun would walk to the ring and absolutely destroy everyone except for the New Day, because the New Day did not get in the ring and attack Braun. They just stayed down on the outside. So the Street Profits, Los Atharios, and Alpha Academy will get destroyed. Otis will get speared through the barricade, while Montez Ford, no, not Montez, Angela Dawkins will get uh, power slammed through the commentary table. And later, you would hear from Braun backstage, and Braun basically lets everybody know that he's back and that he is going to smack down this Friday and that he is going to destroy anybody that gets in his way. So, we'll get more information on Braun on SmackDown when I talk about SmackDown. The next thing that happens after this is Aaliyah and Raquel Rodriguez going against Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop. Raquel Rodriguez will win the match for her team by pinfall when Raquel will hit the Tijano bomb on Dewdrop for the win. After this, we had Austin Theory coming out for an in-ring promo. Theory would say that even though he didn't cash in his money in the bank at Clash of the Castle, Clash of the Castle was still a success. Theory would play into the audience and say that he knows you people would have loved to see me fail my cash-in, but that didn't happen. Theory will even say that he didn't get to cash in, but he is glad Roman is still champion. He still has some unfinished business with him, and he hopes to take the championship off of him. Kevin Owens will then come out and start playing with Theory, saying that you got knocked out by Tyson Fury. As a matter of fact, you got KO'd by Fury. So remember, play on words, Kevin Owens, KO, KO, play on words here. Uh, Theory would throw some jabs at Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens would throw some bad jabs back at Theory. Until the referee comes out and we get a match between Theory and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens would win the match by pinfall when he would hit the pop of Powerbomb, then a stunner on Theory for the win. Nice match between Kevin Owens and Theory. Again, this is setting up for Kevin Owens to more or less be that guy to go against Roman Reigns somewhere down the line and probably take Sammy out of the bloodline. So again, we're still building up Kevin Owens to be that incredible contender. After this, we get an in-ring promo from Damage Control. Remember, Damage Control is the group that consists of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. They'll be out here to gloat about their win at Clash of the Castle. Dakota and Io would announce that next week they will be challenging for the Women's Tag Team Championships because Dakota wasn't the legal woman when she got pinned last week. So that's the reason how they are getting this opportunity. And Bailey will gloat about pinning Bianca at Clash of the Castle. She will say that Bianca hasn't been pinned in over 300 days and she did what women in the back couldn't do while she was gone. The Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair will then come out. Bianca first will congratulate Bailey for the win at Clash of the Castle and then decide to challenge Bailey to a match later tonight. Bailey will say that she isn't going to wrestle because it's a Labor Day. Bianca will say that it took all three of them to beat her at Clash. It wasn't just Bailey. Bianca will say that if you want true power, you have to have the Raw Women's Championship. But until then, you have no power. Bailey will say, oh yeah, and then circle Bianca. So now Bianca's in the middle of damage control. And it looks like they're about to jump her, but Bailey would move her hands towards Io and Dakota to tell them to lay off of Bianca and leave out of the ring. So damage control would leave the ring. Bailey then will leave Bianca with this, saying that Bianca can't handle losing to Bailey and wanting to prove that that loss was a fluke. Bailey would say that that's not a problem for Bailey at the moment. They have bigger issues at the moment to deal with, like the women's tag team championships. But Bailey would assure Bianca that when and if she wants that Raw Women's Championship, she will have it. So again, we're setting up for Bailey to go against Bianca somewhere tied on the line. And again, we're setting up for damage control to try to win all the championship gold on Monday Night Raw. Will they succeed? Who knows? 
we'll just have to see as this storyline continues to play out. After this, we would get Rey Mysterio versus Damian Priest. Damian Priest would win the match by pinfall thanks to the Judgment Day. Ray will have Damian in position for the 619, but Dominic will get on the ring apron and stop Ray. Ray will then question Dom, and then out of the corner of his eye, he sees Finn Balor get on the ring apron. He runs over and attacks Finn. Then he sees Rhea Ripley try to slide into the ring, and he looks at Rhea Ripley and catches her try to slide in. So Rhea would slide out, and then he pays attention back to Damian Priest, but it's too late. Damian will hit Ray with a clothesline, and then grab him and finish him off with the South of Heaven, which is a chokeslam and cover Ray for the win. After the match, Judgment Day would get in the ring, and Rhea would say that next week, Dominic will face Edge. So, Dom will go against Edge next week on Raw. Now it's time for the main event of Monday Night Raw, the United States Championship match inside of a steel cage. Bobby Lashley going against The Miz, who had Ciampa on the outside. Bobby would win the match by pinfall when Miz was on the opposite side of the cage, basically climbing on the outside, and he was close to being literally hitting the floor, until he would see Dex and Loomis slide out from underneath the ring and just stare at him. This would freak Miz out, and he would climb back up the cage and back inside the ring, and Miz would not keep his eyes off of Dexter. But as soon as he would focus back onto Bobby, Bobby would hit Miz with a spear, cover him to retain his United States Championship. After the match, this is where the real situation comes into play. Bobby would leave the ring, Dexter would climb into the cage and inside the ring, Miz would try to crawl out of the ring, but Bobby would be at the cage opening and shut the door on him. So Miz is now locked inside with Dexter, and Miz tries to swing at Dexter, but Dexter will block it and then lock in the silencer on the Miz, which is basically a head and arm lock maneuver, and Miz will start trying to uh, flail out of it, try to wave his arms and try to do anything he can to get out, but he will eventually pass out in Dexter Loomis's arms, and he would just be there. And that's how Raw ends with Dexter Loomis and Miz inside the cage. Miz passed out on Dexter Loomis. What does this leave with Miz and Dexter? I have no idea. We have not got no explanation to why Dexter Loomis is attacking the Miz week by week. Hopefully, we'll get some explanation, but that's your Raw Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now off to NXT. NXT will be celebrating their one-year anniversary next week on Tuesday. So next Wednesday, I will be giving you guys a NXT retrospect. So that will be a bonus episode. What that means is I'll be talking to you and telling you what I find it has been good from this one-year change from the black and gold era to the colorful era. I will be telling you what has been good, what has been bad, what we could possibly uh, see in the future from NXT. So, with that being said, let me get into the NXT uh, results. First thing that happened on NXT was Tyler Bate coming out with an in-ring promo. Tyler would thank everybody from the bottom of his heart, everyone that came out Sunday, and people that have supported NXT UK, and he would thank Braun Breaker. Tyler would give props to Braun Breaker, saying that he's the real deal. Tyler would say that he is the first and last NXT UK champion, and he will be remembered in the history books. And then Gallus will come out and start berating Tyler Bate for not winning his match against Braun Breaker. They will say that he should be ashamed of himself for not only letting himself down, but the entire UK roster down, his country down, all that stuff. Tyler would jab back at Gallus and say that you guys didn't win either. Gallus will then get in the ring, so now they are trying to intimidate Tyler. Tyler will get mauled by Gallus, and now it's a three-on-one beatdown. Two security members would try to stop Gallus, but they would beat up the security. Braun Breaker would come down to the ring to make the save for Tyler Bate. Tyler and Braun would beat up Gallus, sending him out of the ring. 
Braun will get a mic and say that later tonight. Tyler Bate and Braun will be going against Gallus. So that will be the main event of NXT. After this, we will get Tosca Tractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane going against Nikki A.S.H. and Drew Drop. Drew Drop would win the match for her team by pinfall when Drew Drop would catch Gigi Dolan from the second turnbuckle, slammer, and then hit a running body splash for the win. For the reason why we're having this match was because Toxic Attraction ran out and interfered in the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match at Worlds Collide, interfering and helping out the champions Katana and Kaden. So that's the reason why Nikki and Dewdrop wanted their revenge on Toxic Attraction, and they got it. After this, we have the matchup between JD McDonough going against Wesley. JD would win the match by pinfall when he hits Devil inside a pull-in Saito suplex for the win. This was a nice match between both guys. I mean, you saw Wes hit and kick JD like hard in the face, and they would make a replay of that. And then later in the uh, match, you will see JD kind of get a receipt back to it and kick Wesley in the face before he does hit the pulling Saito suplex. After this, we will get a matchup between the boss, Miko Satomura, going against Roxanne Perez. Uh, before this, here's backstory to this. The reason why we had this match was because after Worlds Collide was over, we would see Roxanne and Miko like bow to each other and Roxanne walk away. Cora J would walk up to Miko and say that she wants a match with her on NXT Tuesday. Miko would politely decline to say that she has a match already to go against Roxanne. So Cora J was not happy with this. And Cora will be watching Roxanne going against Satomura on Tuesday in the backstage area. Mako would win the match by pinfall when she would hit Roxanne with her finish, the Scorpio Rising, which is a running axe kick to Roxanne's head as she was kneeling down. And then after the match, you would see Mako and Roxanne shake hands and bow towards each other. When Satomura would leave the ring, Cora J would slide in the ring behind Roxanne and hit her in the back with a kendo stick. Satomura would then run back into the ring and Cora would leave the ring and again, this is setting up more for Cora J to be jealous of Roxanne. Roxanne's always getting the opportunities and everything else while Cora J is just left out high and dry. At least that's what Cora's thinking in her world. So this is still building upon layers for the eventual rematch between Cora J going against Roxanne Perez. After this, we will get Ricochet going against Trick Williams. And Carmella Hayes was on commentary for this match. Ricochet would win the match by pinfall when he would hit Trick Williams with the recoil, which is basically a code breaker, and then the shooting star press for the win. Straight match between both guys. You knew Ricochet was going to win. Trick Williams is kind of like the guy that's just there to, like, take a loss towards whoever's basically feuding with Carmelo Hayes. So Trick Williams did what was necessary of him. And then later in the night, Carmelo Hayes would be interviewed backstage, and he was told that he will be facing off against a mystery opponent next week on NXT's one-year anniversary, and that the mystery opponent will be chose by the WWE Universe that the fans could pick it. So if you go online right now, you could pick whoever Carmelo is facing next week on Tuesday for the NXT North American Championship. After this, we would get Nathan Frazier going against Axiom in the best of three series. So basically, whoever wins this match has to win another match next week or whenever they do schedule this. Uh, Axiom would win the match by pinfall when he would hit a leaping Savat kick for the win. Uh, this was an extremely fast-paced match. I mean, these guys went back and forth. I mean, just high-flying maneuver after high-flying maneuver. And also, in this match, we got to see Nathan Frazier become a little bit more aggressive than he usually is whenever he uh, started 
putting the boost to Axiom's knees. And at one point, he had him in some type of submission, and he transformed uh, it into a leg lock submission. And then he starts reaching back on it and adding so much pressure that you really are concerned for Axiom at one point because he pulls back on it. And I'm like, okay, that has to extremely hurt. And Axiom will get to the bottom rope and hold on to the rope, and that will make Nathan Frazier like, let go of the maneuver. So again, we're seeing an aggressive uh, characteristic out of the Nathan Frazier, and it's not a bad thing. Some good guys need to have that aggressive streak to them to bring them to the next level, and Nathan Frazier has it. You're able to see that in this match, so let's hope that uh, we get to see that within these next two matches here. And now we get to the main event, Gallus with Wolfgang in their corner going against Tyler Bate and Braun Breaker. Tyler Bate would win the match by pinfall when Braun would hit Joe Coffey with a spear. Then Tyler would hit Mark Coffey with a rebound lariat. And then the Tyler Driver 97 for the win. After the match, you would get Braun and Tyler Bate hugging each other. JD McDonough would get in the ring and attack Tyler from behind. This would send Braun Breaker out of the ring. JD would then hit the devil inside on Tyler Bate. And then Braun would enter the ring and then you would see JD lead the ring into the crowd. And again, this is continuing on with JD's situation with Braun Breaker. They were not just going to have one match and call it a day, no. It seems to me that JD is more or less the next guy to go after Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship, and we'll have to get more information on that on next week's NXT. There's a couple of things I forgot to mention to you guys, too. Uh, during this episode of NXT as well, we would get explanation for why Damon Kemp turned his back on Diamond Mind. Damon would say that he felt underappreciated by Diamond Mind. He was brought in by Roddy, but he never got to show off what he could actually do. He always played second or even third fiddle to the Kree brothers and even Ivy now. So that's the reason why he turned his back on the Kree brothers and attacked Roderick Strong. And also, we would get some segments backstage from Pretty Deadly as they were trying to figure out who is saying that they got a fluke victory over uh, the Diamond Mine and basically won the tag titles by nefarious means. Pretty Deadly would walk up to Kree Brothers and let them know that next week they will be defending their NXT championships against them and that the fans could pick any matches they want so that there will be no excuses when Pretty Deadly beats the Kree Brothers next week. Julius lets Pretty Deadly know that the anger that he has right now, he's going to take it out on them next week. So we can expect a good match between Pretty Deadly and the Creed Brothers next week. And that is your wrestling highlights of the week for NXT. Now off to AEW Dynamite. This is the most highly anticipated Dynamite. I say since the beginning of Dynamite when it first started in 2019. Literally since the first episode. This is the most highly anticipated episode of Dynamite. We're coming back from All Out uh, 2022. The pay-per-view that just happened this past Sunday. And we are dealing with all the fallout that came from the All Out press conference after the pay-per-view. For the people that did not pay attention, and boy oh boy were you one of the lucky ones. Um, After the pay-per-view was over, they had a press conference. And CM Punk went in there and he just started letting out a clip on everybody. I mean, when I say a clip, I mean he was shooting shots at everyone. He was shooting shots at Colt Cabana. He was shooting shots at Hangman Page. He was shooting shots at the EVPs, the Young Bucks. I'm not sure he meant Kenny Omega, but he meant the Young Bucks. And the whole point of Punk's whole anger in sending those shots at the press conference was literally because for months, it has been reported that CM Punk was the reason why Colt Cabana got moved from the AEW roster over to the Ring of Honor roster. And Colt Cabana has not been on 
AEW television. CM Punk got on the press conference and he straight up said, listen, I don't care where that man sleeps. I don't care where that man lays his head. I don't care where he works. I haven't been friends with this man since 2014. And I haven't had no decision, no desire to want to deal with him, talk with him, anything. I don't care where he is. I had no, and I mean no, reason for him to be fired. I have no reason for him to be moved to Ring of Honor. I have no dealing with any of that. I had no say in anything. I do not care where he is. So Punk was making that literally known to everybody. He does not care where Coca Ban is. He had no uh, decision making of that. That was all Tony Khan. Tony Khan had to step in and try to say, listen, I that was all on me. Punk had nothing to do with that. Punk cut off Tony Khan and told Tony that, listen, it shouldn't even be you to even have to say these things. It should be up to the EVPs. And this is whatever Punk starts shooting at the EVPs because it was from Punk's mouth. Punk was saying that the EVPs, the Young Bucks, were spreading rumors to the dirt sheet writers, the journalists, the wrestling journalism journalists, that he has something to do with Colt trying to get fired from AEW or him being moved. And Punk just started letting out on everybody. So once Punk got done with his press conference, his time on the press conference, he went back to his locker room. And these are whenever reports start coming out that the elite, this will be the Bucks and Kenny Omega would go to Punk's locker room and Punk somehow will be in there and they are reports saying that Ace Steel and his wife was there. Ace Steel was watching over CM Punk's dog. Long story short, CM Punk, Ace Steel, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega end up getting into a fight backstage. And fast forward to Dynamite. These are the people that would get suspended from the melee. The people that would get suspended from that fight would be Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler. Now, why is Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa there? Because Michael Nakazawa is like the handler for Kenny Omega on television. I don't know if he's the handler for Kenny off television, but he hangs around Kenny Omega a lot. Brandon Cutler, uh, Brandon Cutler, I mean, he hangs around with the Young Bucks, and that's their boy. He records everything for them for their YouTube show, Being the Elite, and he also does character work for them. So, it's natural for him to be around, so more or less he probably got involved with the fight. No, it's not been reported, so I don't know if he did. It just know that he's been suspended. Pat Buck and Christopher Daniels, they are executives in AEW, and again, I think they were there probably trying to break it up, but somehow I don't know how they got into the fight. I don't know if they tried to break it up. I don't know, but I just know they were part of the suspended list. We do not know the fate of CM Punk and Ace Steel at this particular moment of this recording. But when AEW would first start off, we would get Tony Khan popping up on the screen and he would say that he had to vacate the Trios Championships and the World Championship. But he does let people know that the Trios Championships will not be vacated for long because we'll be crowning new Trios Champions tonight in a match between the Death Triangle and Best Friends. And starting tonight on Dynamite, there will be a tournament to get to the finals of who will be crowned the new AEW World Champion at Arthur Ashe. To start the tournament off, we will be getting Brian Danielson going against Hangman Page. But before we will get to any of those matches, the first thing to be, well, the first person to come out after the video of Tony Khan will play is MJF. And MJF comes out to the Buffalo crowd because AEW is in Buffalo, New York. He comes out in a Buffalo's Bills jersey. He's playing up to the crowd. The crowd's so happy to see MGF. He's like the good guy right now. And 
the fans are eating up MJF. They're calling him. They're chanting his name. They're saying you were right. MJF would say that the last time you guys saw me, I said some offensive things. And MJF would say that, you know, I was just kidding. Everything I said, I was just kidding. I love this place. I'm never going anywhere. And he will lead an AEW chant. MGF would then apologize to the crowd for the words that he said to them whenever they last saw him. And then MGF would go to talk about the giant gray elephant in the room, the AEW World Championship, being vacated. MGF would say that he isn't going to be in the tournament because he has a championship opportunity anytime he wants since he won the casino ladder match. And MGF would say that you might think that we're in dark times now, but we are going to get out of it with his leadership. Now, the fans are eating up MGF again, chanting MGF's name. John Moxley's music would hit. He would come to the ring, and Moxley could see through MGF's hole full of crap here, and he would straight up just tell MGF that he's full of crap. MGF would quickly snap out of this whole good guy facade. He would throw down that whole Buffalo Bills jersey, and he'd go back to MGF, the dickhead that we all know. MGF will say that he sees the World Championship as his bargaining chip that can start the War of 2024, the exact year that MGF's AEW contract, well, expires, and he's trying to get a bidding war between WWE and AEW. He said that he could take the championship to a real wrestling company and work for a boss that he actually respects. Mox will then slap the mic out of MGF's hands and tell him that he isn't in the mood and MGF needs to leave the ring before he does something. MGF wouldn't take too kindly to this, so then you start seeing MGF start unbuttoning his shirt. Moxley sees this, he starts taking off his jacket, and it looks like both men are about to get ready to uh, fight each other. But MGF, being who he is, he would get out of the ring and start walking up the ramp, so he backs out. Moxley would then go into this inspirational speech about being the world champion, about how being world champion is about being what the people, not just in the back, but also in the people watching at home can believe in and be a hero, and that he plans on being that guy when he wins the AEW tournament to become the AEW world champion once again. Now, the people involved in this tournament would be Brian Danielson going against Hangman Page, and the winner of that match will be going against Chris Jericho next week on Dynamite, while on Rampage, we will begin Sammy Guevara going against Darby Allin, and the winner of that match will be going against John Moxley next week on Dynamite. So... With that being said, let's get on to the matches that happened at AEW Dynamite. The first match of the night will be for the AEW Trio Championships. It's Death Triangle, which is Pac, who is the Mid-Atlantic Champion, uh, Pentagon, and Phoenix, going against the best friends who are Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy, and Chuck Taylor. Death Triangle would win the match by pinfall when the Lucha Brothers would hit their tag team finish Fear Factor on Chuck Taylor, and then Pac would hit... The black arrow on Chuck, then cover him for the win. So, Death Triangle are your new AEW Trio champions, and Pac is the first ever double champion in AEW, be- being one third of the Trio champion and also holding the All Atlantic uh, Championship. I said Mid Atlantic earlier, but it's the All Atlantic. Uh, after this, we would get Penelope Ford with Kip Sabian in her corner going against Tony Storm. Tony Storm would win the match by pinfall when Tony would hit a leaping DDT on Penelope for the win. After this, we would get the acclaim coming down, and we are expecting Max Caster to rap. And before Max could even do his rap, Swerve Strickland would come out and stop all of that. Swerve would get heavily booed by the fans. The fans 
couldn't wait to boo Swerve because he ruined their opportunity to hear what Max had to say because Max is more than likely going to say something about the brawl at All Out. Swerve would say that you guys wanted to listen to another corny rap from this guy. Swerve would say that he has a joke to tell them, and it's the acclaim being tag champions. So Swerve would laugh at this. Billy Gunn would interrupt Swerve and say that this isn't Swerve's house anymore. It's daddy ass house now. So then Anthony Bones would get the mic from Billy Gunn, and he would tell Swerve that Arthur Ashe Stadium, the acclaim, the uncrowned champions, will win gold at Arthur Ashe. So it was announced that the acclaim will be getting a rematch against Swerve in our glory at Arthur Ashe. It was kind of hinted at this at the press conference as well when uh, Swerve and Our Glory were up there and they were asked about a potential rematch between the acclaim at Arthur Ashe and Tony said that he could see that happening in the future. So it was announced that that will happen. After this, we would get a TNT Championship matchup. Warlow going against Tony Nese, who had Mark Sterling in his corner. Warlow would win the match by pinfall when he would hit Tony Nese with three power bombs for the win. After the match, he would look to hit Another powerbomb on Tony Nese, but Mark Sterling would get on the ring apron and stop Warlow. Warlow would grab Mark and bring him into the ring. Warlow would go to powerbomb Mark Sterling, but Josh Woods would pull Mark out of the ring. So now you have Warlow in the ring by himself. He gets a mic, and he says that he hears what everybody online has been saying about his TNT championship run, and he feels that everybody has forgot exactly who Warlow is. So he's going to remind everyone that this is Warlow's world. So we are in the stages of rebuilding Warlow from being a guy that happened to hold just a championship that we thought was going to just be dominating everything to nothing for his original run so far. Now we're in the rebuilding stage to now him actually being this guy that's going to just tear through everybody. We're going to get some beastly matches out of him, but he's going to just basically tear everybody up. Now it's time for the World Championship Tournament uh, match. We would get Brian Danielson going against Heyman Page. This is the third time they would be battling each other. Brian would win the match by pinfall when Hangman would go for the buckshot lariat, but Brian would grab Hangman's arm and get him in the O'Connor roll for the win. So Brian Danielson will be facing Chris Jericho next week on Dynamite. This is a good match between both of these guys, and this is a match that you should expect to be good because Brian Danielson and Hangman have fought twice, and both of them, both of the matches have been spectacular matches. Personally, to me, I think their second match was better than their first one. And this third one is nice, but I put it on the bottom of the list. Their second match is the best one. The first match is the second second best, and this third match is the third. Before the match happened, like whenever the match graphic would show up for who's in the tournament, I was shocked that Hangman was in it. I tweeted out, I don't know how Hangman's even in this tournament because he was the spark that kind of lit the match for Punk to kind of going off. And... People might not agree with that, but it's the truth. Whenever Heyman went into business for himself on the last week before they went into Double or Nothing a couple months ago, when him and Punk had that AEW Championship match at Double or Nothing and Heyman went off script, and Punk, I believe, was the only guy that knew what Heyman was talking about. The fans didn't know. I didn't know. You had wrestling veterans that didn't know what Heyman was talking about. You had people in the wrestling media that had no idea what Heyman was talking about. The only person that knew what Heyman was talking about was Punk. And that stunk in Punk's crawl. That really, like, stuck there. So, Punk 
said at the press conference that he gave Hangman the opportunity to apologize. Hangman did not apologize, and that's whenever you got literally three weeks ago where Hangman was not around to answer Punk's calling him out for an AEW World Championship match, and that's when Punk said that, that isn't cowboy crap, that's uh, coward crap. That was Punk saying that he, that was his receipt for Hangman going off script and going into business for himself, and Punk would apologize at the press conference for doing that, and he said, I, you, I did what I did because that was his receipt, and I apologize for having to stoop to Hangman's level for that. So, again, I was shocked to even see Hangman in this tournament. So this was, like, I believe Tony Khan's way of, like, giving Hangman a little pow-pow, like a little slap on the wrist for saying that you went into business for yourself, you caused this whole thing, but we can't do nothing to you, we can't fire you, we can't suspend you because you did not get into an altercation with Punk. You did business with him at Double or Nothing, but you went off script. So you losing to Brian Danson, we can do that for you here. And... I'm cool with it, fine, we got another match between both of these guys, and again, it was a good match, but I was just shocked to see Hangman in this tournament, to be completely honest with you, because if Hangman was not the first domino that dropped, because that literally was the thing that got Punk's, like, flame flickering from literally that moment to all the way to All Out's media scrum, without that comment, I don't think we would get Punk to a degree going off the way that he did at the press conference. Now, on to the next thing. We would get Stokely Hathaway and his group coming out. Stokely will be on the entrance stage with his group, and he says that he knows everyone is wondering why he helped MJF at Double or Nothing. And before Stokely could even proceed, a production assistant would tell Stokely that he isn't supposed to be out here, and they are low on time. Stokely would grab the assistant and say that when he's on the mic, you have to pay him the respect like you would your own father. So Stokely would then punch the assistant in the throat with the mic. And then you will see all the rest of Stokely's group guys like beat up on the assistant. You see the gun club beat up on the assistant. You see Ethan Page just yelling at the guy. I believe Lee Moriarty even put some of foot stomps to him. Ethan Page does too. But the guy who really like put the nail in the coffin for this production assistant was W. Morrissey when Morrissey would like big boot the assistant right in the face. So then Stokely and his guys would then walk to the back. And now it's time for the main event of Dynamite. It's for the Pure Championship. It is Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta. Daniel Garcia would get the hometown treatment because he is from Buffalo, New York, and they're in Buffalo tonight. So he would come out being wrapped out by rapper Westside Gun. And Westside Gun, again, is another guy that comes from Buffalo, New York. He represents Buffalo and everything that he does. So it was a perfect hometown treatment. Everybody was loving uh, Daniel Garcia thought this match this was a real hard-hitting striking matchup between Daniel Garcia and Willie Yuta in the end Garcia would lock in the sharpshooter and I believe he's calling it now the dragon slayer and Yuta would grab Garcia's head and try to bend it back to stop the submission but he would eventually tap out so Daniel Garcia is your new ring of honor pure champion after the match confetti would pop into the air and fly down into the ring. Daniel Garcia is so happy. Brian Danielson would get in the ring and tell Willie Yuta to shake hands with Garcia. They shake hands. Brian would take the Pure Championship away from Daniel Garcia, tell him to turn around. Brian would then put the championship around Garcia's waist, and then he would extend his hand out for Garcia. Garcia would then shake the hand of Brian Danielson, and then Chris Jericho would come down and start walking on the ramp, and he would just stand there and start yelling at 
Garcia, what are you doing? As Brian Danielson is raising the arm of Daniel Garcia in the air, and he just stares at Chris Jericho with a smile on his face. This is Brian Danielson playing mind games with Chris Jericho, knowing that he has to face Jericho next week in the tournament for the AEW World Championship. So Brian is playing mind games, saying that, hey, I'm about to take one of your guys. He's about to be one of my guys because your guy already looks up to me. Daniel Garcia already admitted that some time now. And it's already been a situation where he's been in the middle between his idol and his mentor. And he's leaning more now towards his idol because, remember, his mentor at All Out said that you won't have me or the Jericho Appreciation Society. So Daniel Garcia went into this match literally strictly by himself with no Jericho guys or Jericho around the ring. And so for his idol, Brian Danielson, to come out and to put the championship around his waist and to shake his hand and then to raise his hand in the air, you can see where Daniel Garcia might be leaning more of his loyalty now towards Brian Danielson other than Chris Jericho. So again, this is a nice piece of a story, a nice piece of a characteristic, that a layer, if you will, onto a story that's going to be building up more between Daniel Garcia and Chris Jericho, which could lead to Daniel Garcia just possibly joining the Blackpool Combat Club. We'll have to see. But that is your AEW Dynamite Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, onto Impact Wrestling. It was announced that next week on Impact, it will be Moose and Steve Macklin going against Black Tall Roots and Crazy Steve. The X Division Championship will be defended where Mike Bailey will be going against Mascarita Dorada. And the Good Brothers will be going against the Motor City Machine Guns. Now, the first match to open up Impact is Ozzy Open going against Bullet Club's Ace Austin and Chris Bay. Ozzy Open would win the match by pinfall when they would hit their tag finish. A double wheelbarrow uh, suplex on Chris Bay for the win. I do not know how to say their tag finish name. I believe it's like Corliss. But nevertheless, this is a nice tag matchup. Again, Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they're starting to team up more. They still got to uh, get their tag team chemistry working together more uh fluently because they were going against a tag team that has been teaming for the last what six years they said that Aussie Open have been teaming and been together around since 2016 so yes six years now so the team with the more experience was obviously going to win and that was Aussie Open and also they just debuted on Impact literally last week but this is their first time in the ring this week so Aussie Open was obviously going to win but it was a nice showing between Ace Austin and Chris Bay going against Ozzy Open. It was, this match was a legit nice way to open up Impact. After this, we would get Mickey James going against Rachel Rose. Mickey would win the match by pinfall once you hit the Mick DDT for the win. We're still continuing the redemption story for Mickey James. Remember last week, Mickey James came out here and she announced that she is going to try to fight back for the Knockouts Championship. And she did say that if she loses any time between getting the Knockouts Championship, whether it be on the way up to it, or even in the championship match, she will be walking away from professional wrestling. So this is the level one of this redemption story. After this, we would get Kenny King going against Yuya Yumira. Yumira is coming from New Japan. He just graduated from the Young Lions program. For anybody that doesn't know or not um, familiar with New Japan's Young Lions program, it's basically when a new person is coming into professional wrestling. This is basically New Japan's wrestling school. You start from the bottom up, meaning that you train in a dojo, you wash all the wrestlers' gear and all this type of stuff. You set up the rings, all that stuff for New Japan. 
And then when you graduate their Young Lions program, you get to go out on excursion, meaning that you go to a different country and you work with different promotions to try to get yourself better and try to uh, learn the craft of professional wrestling in whatever country that you are stationed at. So whenever they decide to call you back for New Japan, you are now back. You are back from excursion. You have a character. You have a wrestling style that you have perfected and you're off to the races in your New Japan career. So that's the thing that Yuya is on right now. He's on excursion. He's trying to gain some uh, wrestling in the American background now because he's in America, at least an impact for this. Uh, Yuya would win the match by pinfall thanks to some help from Mia Yim. Kenny King would roll up Yuya and have his feet on the ropes, but Mia Yim would push Kenny's legs off the ropes. Kenny would look at Mia and ask her why is she out here, then grab her by her hair. Mia will push Kenny's hands off of her and then kick him in the head. And then once Kenny would get up and turn around, Yuya would jump off the top turnbuckle and hit him with a crossbody for the win. Now, the reason why Mia Yim was out here was because Kenny King tried to go up to Scott Demore earlier in the night and try to get another exhibition championship matchup. But Scott Demore would turn down Kenny King and Mia Yim would like poke and prod at Kenny King and they would have a back and forth between each other. And that's the reason why Mia Yim is out here, because they had an altercation backstage, well, in words. Uh, after this, we have Chelsea Green going against Taya Valkyrie. Chelsea Green had Deanna Peraza in her corner. Taya Valkyrie had Jessica and Rosemary in her corner. Chelsea would win the match by pinfall thanks to outside distraction. When Taya would run the ropes, Deanna Peraza would trip Taya. Deanna would walk away, but Rosemary would tackle Deanna to the floor. The referee would see this and start paying attention to the outside action, missing Ty rolling up Chelsea. When the referee would turn around and make the count, Chelsea would kick out at two. Jessica would get on the ring apron and talk to the ref, saying that it was a three. And you would see Taya pick up Chelsea. And once she does this, Chelsea would poke Taya in the eyes and then like push her into Jessica, knocking Jessica off the ring apron. Chelsea would then grab Taya and finish her off with I'm Prettier, which is the Unprettier or Kill Switch, whatever names you want to use here, for the win. So Chelsea Green has a win over Taya Valkyrie. We will then go into our digital media championship matchup between Bupinder Gujir going against the champion Brian Myers. Brian Myers would win the match by disqualification when Brian would hit Gujir with an Impaler DDT or a Leaping DDT. Brian would then cover Gujir, but Gujir would kick out. Brian would then leave the ring. And he would go and grab the championship. Brian would put the title on the apron. Gujir would grab one end of the championship. And Brian would then have the other end. So now you see Brian and Gujir playing tug of war with the belt. Gujir would get control of the championship and then hit Brian in the face with it. The ref would call for the bell for the disqualification. And Gujir at first would have a look of shock on his face. And then he would turn it into one of happiness and then leave the ring and start walking away with the championship. Gujir would be met backstage by Scott Demore and Brian Myers and security, and Scott would tell Gujir to hand him the championship back. Well, hand him over the championship. So Gujir would hand Scott Demore the championship. Brian thinks that Scott's going to hand him the championship back, but Scott has other plans. Scott says that he's made the decision to have a ladder match for the championship in two weeks between both Brian Myers, and Gujir. So right now, the Digital Media Championship is vacated until they have a ladder match in two weeks between both of these men, the crown, who is the Digital Media Champion. 
After this, we go into our main event of Impact, Heath versus Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards would win the match by pinfall thanks to help from Mike Bennett. When Heath was able to hit the wake-up call on Eddie Edwards, and he's about to cover him for the win, Mike Bennett would run into the ring, and Bennett would swing at Heath, and Heath would duck it, and then hit Mike with the wake-up call. Heath would then go to grab Eddie Edwards, but Eddie would then low-blow Heath. The referee doesn't see this because he's getting Mike Bennett out of the ring. Eddie would then finish Heath off with a Boston knee party for the win. After the match, Eddie would get on the mic and call out Josh Alexander to get his answer on if he's going to side with Honor No More or is he going to still play on the side with Impact Wrestling. Josh Alexander would come out and he would say that he is going to stand on the side that is the opposite of Eddie Edwards. Josh would then say that we don't have to wait for Bound for Glory to do this. So, Mike Bennett would get in the ring and Josh would kick him. Eddie Edwards would try to swing at Josh, but Josh would duck it grab Eddie and start hitting him with multiple German suplexes before Kenny King gets in the ring and tries to break it up. And then you get Heath get in the ring and start beating up on Kenny King. And then you get Matt Taven coming into the ring. You get Rich Swan coming into the ring. So now it's Impact's three guys of Rich Swan, Heath, and Josh Alexander going against Honor No More's four guys of Kenny King, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Eddie Edwards. Honor No More would get the better of the three. Eddie Edwards would tiger bomb Josh Alexander. Then Kenny and Matt Taven will hold Josh, and Eddie would hit him with the Boston Knee Party. At the end of Impact, you will have Honor No More standing tall over Impact's three guys. And that is your Impact Wrestling, Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now we're off to SmackDown. SmackDown would open up with... Corey Graves being next to Michael Cole, it was announced that Pat McAfee will be stepping away from WWE for a couple months because he has now accepted an ESPN uh, college football analyst position on college football days, like for whenever they got college footballs on Saturday. Um, you will see Pat McAfee there. So Pat will be gone from WWE for a couple months. He will be back by the end of the year. So that's the reason why Corey Graves is here. It doesn't say that Corey Graves is going to be announcing with Michael Cole all the time when Pat's away. So we could be seeing Michael Cole and an influx of guest uh, announcers until Pat comes back. Now, the first match of the night of SmackDown will be a six-man tag. The Brawling Brutes, which are Sheamus, Butch, and Rich Holland going against Imperium. The Intercontinental Champion Gunther, Giovanni Vinci, and Ludwig Kaiser. Imperium would win the match by pinfall when Ludwig and Giovanni would hit their Imperial Bomb, which is their tag team finisher, which is a powerbomb European uppercut combo for the win. This was a nice way to open up SmackDown. Uh, you knew you were getting as soon as you got this match happening. These were six guys that couldn't wait to get to each other. Sheamus and Gunther, they really didn't like brawl with each other during this match. I mean, you got a couple uh, moments here where they would charge at each other, they'll hit each other, but it'd be like broken away. They'll go after other members of the opposite team. So you got a little bit of Gunther versus Sheamus, but if you really want to watch them go at each other, I suggest you go back to Clash of the Castle and watch that match. It's a real hard-hitting matchup, and I promise you, you're not going to be disappointed in that. Uh, after this, we was time for the Usos and Sami Zayn to come out to the ring, and they're here to brag about Roman Reigns beating Drew McIntyre on Drew's turf at Clash at the Castle, how he's still the undisputed Universal Champion, and they will be bringing out Solo Sokoa to join them in the ring to have him be 
initiated into the bloodline. Once Solo Sokoa would come down to the ring, he would get in the ring, he would dab up his brothers, the Usos. Sammy would try to give Solo a hug, but Solo just looks at Sammy and he gives him the Jay Uso treatment that Jay is giving Sammy, but he just gives him like a head nod and Sammy's okay with that. Solo Sokoa would state that you come from my family, I come for you. You make problems, I finish them. The bloodline just got bigger and I'm here to stay. So then the Usos would hit their tagline, put your ones in the airs because you the twos and we the ones. Drew McIntyre will come out to the ring with a steel chair. Everybody in the ring will leave except for Solo Sokoa. Drew McIntyre will hit Solo in the gut with the chair and he's about to hit Solo in the back with the chair. Sammy Zayn would get in the ring and push Solo out of the way so Sammy would get hit in the back with a steel chair. You would then see Drew look at the bloodline as they're retreating on the entrance ramp and drew will call out solo for a match tonight solo would agree so that would be your main event of smackdown after this we get raquel rodriguez and alia going against toxic attractions gg dolan and jc jane this is their smackdown like official like debut on smackdown as a smackdown roster member because it was like announced on like commentary they kind of like hinted at that uh, Raquel and Aaliyah would win the match by pinfall when Aaliyah would hit Gigi Dolan with a spear, and then this would allow Raquel to hit the Tijano bomb on JC Jane for the win. And again, this is giving them momentum going into their tag team championship matchup on next week's episode of Raw against Dakota Kai and EO Sky. After this, we get our fatal five way elimination match where the winner will be facing Liv Morgan at Extreme Rules for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It is Ronda Rousey, Sonya Deville, Natalya, Zia Lee, and Lacey Evans. Natalya will be the first woman eliminated when she would tap when Ronda would put her in the arm bar. Zia Lee will be next when Sonya Deville had her in a Cobra clutch and Zia would tap. Lacey Evans will be next and that's by Ronda Rousey when she had her in the arm bar. And then I was down to Sonya Deville and Ronda Rousey. Those two would at least get into a nice little amateur wrestling like situation. They'll have a nice stare down. They'll do amateur wrestling. And Selenaville got up on Ronda, but Ronda's just Ronda. She's too dominant for this. And Ronda would get Sonya Deville in an arm bar, but then she would switch it over to an ankle lock and then make Sonya Deville tap that way in the ankle lock. So Ronda would win the match and she would be facing Liv Morgan for the SmackDown Championship at Extreme Rules. Also, I forgot to mention that Liv Morgan was in a skybox watching the matchup as well. After this, we would go to the back and we would see Ronda Rousey walking backstage and her friend Shayna Baszler would stop her. Shayna would say that, I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to give you it anyway. She's going to wish Ronda Rousey luck in her match against Liv. Ronda would tell Shayna that she knows Shayna is upset, but it's okay because she knows what's better than winning is revenge. Ronda would tell Shayna to let her know when she is ready to break some bones and take over the show. So we're now going to get Ronda trying to help Shayna become that dominant monster that she once was, not this person that we're dealing with now who just can't seem to beat Liv Morgan. So we'll see what happens whenever Shayna Baszler is with uh, Ronda again. After this, we get an eight-man tag matchup. Maximum male models, Masse and Mansois. Teaming up with Los Lotharios going against Hit Rose Top Dollar and Ashanti Diadonis and Street Profits. 
Hit Row will win the match for their team when they will hit their tag finisher, heavy hitter on Monsois for the win. So we're giving Hit Row more wins here. I'm not mad at that because, again, they need to rebuild back up the stock that they had before they left WWE. And, again, Hit Row has a whole lot of potential. I'm just shocked they didn't give it to Los Lotharios like to take the pin. You pin Maximum Male Models again. So it seems to me we might be going into a different direction with Maximum Male Models. Maybe. That's just a maybe here. Uh, after this, we get Alpha Academy. We'll make their way to the rank. We're supposed to get Braun Strowman coming out here, but Chad Gable says that he's here to disrupt the return of Braun Strowman the same way that Braun did at Raw when he cost them a shot at the tag titles. Braun would then come out and get in the ring and start fighting the Academy. At first, Otis was able to get at Braun until he couldn't, and Braun just laid waste to both Chad Gable and Otis. He would powerbomb Chad Gable. That looked like a regular powerbomb. But then, when he had Otis in position to powerbomb him, nobody thought he could do it. The crowd was hyped up to see it. You heard Corey Graves and Michael Cole saying, he can't be serious. And then whenever he did it and he actually powerbombed Otis, it was an incredible feat of strength for Braun to do it. But again, he is the monster among men. I'm sorry, monster among monsters. That's his new nickname here. They're going to switch back to monster among men because monster among monsters is the dumbest one. So um, Braun Strowman's here. He didn't say anything on SmackDown. He's just back in WWE. So we got to see what WWE does with him. This is his first week back. Uh, they have nothing technically set up for him yet, but... Within these next couple of weeks, I have a feeling that we're going to see Braun either step up into the main event spot on Monday Night Raw, or is he going to be on SmackDown trying to tear people up? It's just one of those two things. Uh, after this, it's time for the main event. Drew McIntyre going against Solo Sokoa with the Usos and Sami Zayn in his corner. This match will end in a no contest. When towards the end of the match, as the referee was dealing with Sami, who was on the ring apron, the Usos would pull Drew McIntyre out of the ring and start beating him up. This would continue to happen until the Street Profits would come down to help Drew McIntyre. And you see the Street Profits beat up on the Usos. Sami Zayn would get off the ring apron, run over to try to even it up. So now it's a three-on-one beatdown of the Usos and Sami Zayn beating up on Angelo Dawkins as Montez Ford would climb up the top turnbuckle, jump off, and hit the Usos and Sami with a crossbody. Solo Sokoa would get Drew back in the ring. Solo would try to hit a move on Drew, but Drew would run the ropes and hit Solo with a Claymore kick, which would send Solo Sokoa out of the ring. This would lead to Karrion Cross getting in the ring and locking Drew McIntyre in the cross jacket, which is basically a coquina clutch or a more evasive like sleeper hold. And Drew would try to fight out of it, but to no avail, he would ultimately just start passing out in the cross jacket as SmackDown would fade to black. So, Karrion Cross is here on SmackDown. Again, he has a continuous feud with Drew McIntyre. Apparently, I think he just wants to take Drew McIntyre out so that Drew would not be in his way whenever he wants to go after Roman for the Undisputed Universal Championship. It has not been stated that's the way yet, but I can kind of see where we're building things up here. So, Karrion Cross came out here and just destroyed Drew McIntyre, so you can expect them to have some type of face-to-face -face, uh, situation next week on SmackDown. But with that, that is your SmackDown Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now on to AEW Rampage. Rampage will open up with a World Championship Tournament match between Sammy Guevara and Darby Allin. 
Sammy Guevara will win the match by pinfall, thanks to help from Ty Mello and Anna Jay. When Anna Jay will get on the ring apron and distract the ref, this will allow Ty to slide Darby's skateboard into the ring, and Sammy would powerbomb Darby on the skateboard, then slide the skateboard out of the ring, then finish Darby off with a GTH for the win. So Sammy now will be facing John Moxley on Dynamite next week, and the winner of that match will go to Grand Slam on Arthur Ashe Stadium, and they will be facing either Brian Danielson or Chris Jericho, because that match also will be happening next week on Dynamite. And the winner of that match will be facing Sammy or John Moxley at Grand Slam for the AEW World Championship. So basically, pay attention to next week's Dynamite, and you'll get your Grand Slam main event for the AEW World Championship. After this, we get Samoa Joe coming down to the ring. Samoa Joe would apologize for being away for a bit, but he does promise to give more violence in the future. Samoa Joe would say that he is open for business for anybody that wants to have a shot at the Ring of Honor Television Championship. Mark Sterling, Josh Woods, and Tony Nese would come out on the entrance stage, and Mark would say, while you were in Hollywood getting pampered, my guys were here busting their butts. Mark would say that Josh Woods should have a shot at the Ring of Honor Television Championship because he is a former national champion, a former Ring of Honor pure champion. Samoa Joe would agree with Mark and say that they can have the match right now. So Samoa Joe puts the title down, he puts the mic down, he's ready for the match. Josh would get his mouthpiece on, take off his shirt, and try to walk towards the ring. Mark Sterling and Tony Nese would stop Josh Woods and say that they're not going to do it here. No, they're going to do it next week on Rampage, so that's a match that you get next week. Samoa Joe versus Josh Woods for the Ring of Honor Television Championship. After this, we get Madison Rain going against Serena Deed. Serena Deed would win the match by submission when Serena would lock in the Serenity Lock and Madison would tap out. Now it's time for the main event, the Ring of Honor Championship matchup. Claudio Castagnoli with William Regal in his corner going against Dax Hardwood. Claudio would win the match by submission when Claudio would lock in the Sharpshooter and Dax would crawl towards the ropes. Claudio would then switch it up to a crossface, but Dax would reverse out of it and get Claudio into a Sharpshooter. Claudio would then grab the ankle of Dax to loosen the hold and make Dax face him. And when he does this, Claudio will start kicking Dax in the face multiple times till Dax falls to the ground. Claudio will then hover over Dax and start forearm elbow striking Dax in his shoulder, shoulder slash neck area. And then he will lock the sharpshooter back in on Dax and then Dax would tap out. So Claudio Castagnoli is still your Ring of Honor World Champion. And that will be your AEW Rampage Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Now, before I get you guys out of here, I just want to talk about what's next for AEW. Since right now, again, this is now the time of this recording right now, um, we still don't know if CM Punk is going to be still be with AEW or is he going to be fired? We have no idea with him. We have no idea with Ace Steel, but we do know that the Bucks, Omega, Christopher Daniels, Pat Buck, Brandon Cutler, Michael Nakazawa have been suspended. For how long? We were not given that information. What and where does AEW go from here? I feel that suspending CM Punk is the right move to do. I don't think firing him will be a situation. Wrestling, the wrestling business has had some like fights in the back. It's kind of a thing like UFC fighters fight 
boxers they fight all these type of people they fight it's a kind of a business you're built off a business of testosterone and that's just what it is with the wrestling business that's kind of what you guys do you guys fight in the ring you guys fight backstage that's just kind of your thing so why are you guys going to fire somebody over that type of situation especially when nobody got stabbed nobody got like bodily crippled or anything that didn't happen with the situation with Punk, uh, the Bucks, Kenny, his boy Ace Steel, and whatever other people might have happened. It was never ever reported that, hey, yo, somebody got crippled. No, somebody probably got left with a black eye. Somebody probably got a bite mark, but all that stuff will heal. Stop it. You guys are grown men. Do I think that a fight should have happened backstage? No. I think tempers got the better of Every uh, adult back there, I'm not going to say children, because you guys have mortgages, you guys have homes, you guys, some of you guys have children, so we're not going to do that. You guys are all grown men, you guys had fight backstage, whoop-de-whoop. You guys should be suspended the way you guys are now. CM Punk has been reported that he's uh, been injured uh, during his match with John Moxley at All Out. Some people are probably trying to say that he probably got injured during the brawl, but Either way, he will need surgery on something in his arm. And the way they're saying it is that he has the same kind of injury that Christian Cage has. And Christian also got surgery. So Christian will be out for six to eight months. So they're kind of given that exact same time frame with CM Punk if he decides to come back. Or if AEW decides to keep CM Punk, he'll be gone for at least six to eight months with recovery time for this surgery that he's dealing with. Here's my thing. I think AEW needs to take a pause, not pause in like business, but keep going in business. But like, I'm glad they had like a pause to just stop what they're doing because the way that they were going right now, none of these championships really make a dime worth of anything. Like the AEW World Championship, yes, you're always going to find something to do with that. You're always going to make it like a centerpiece because that's the World Championship. But when you think about it, the TNT title, it was doing absolutely nothing. Warlow was having it around his waist, but he was really doing nothing with it. Now with this fight happening and Warlow saying, hey, I heard what you guys said. I heard you guys on the internet. You guys must have forgot who I am. It's time for me to show you guys exactly who Warlow is and why this is Warlow's world. So we're pushing Warlow back up, we're rebuilding Warlow, and while we're rebuilding Warlow, we are rebuilding the TNT Championship. So you guys are doing that with this like restart that you guys were given after All Out. You guys are kind of given a restart after uh, the AEW World Tag Team titles were due, going absolutely nowhere. And there's no part of Swerve and Keith, because they will defend them on Rampage, and they'll, like, have a couple matches here and there, but, like, let's be honest, the last time the AEW Tag Team Championships were of any worth, any relevancy, was literally whenever the Bucks were holding it during their reign as the elite with himself, with the Bucks, Kenny Omega, and the Good Brothers last year in 2021, because they were a part of a bigger storyline of Hangman and Kenny, their story. But the World Tag Team titles were always doing something. The Bucks were always doing something with the Tag Team titles. But ever since the Bucks lost the Tag Team titles to the Lucha Brothers, I'll say that the AEW World Tag Team titles meant nothing. They haven't meant as much as they used to mean. 
So now again, with this fresh restart after All Out and the people love the Acclaim, we're going to get the Acclaim going against Swerve in Our Glory at Arthur Ashe. And you guys get to have a legitimate refresher and rebuild up your tag team division to make the tag team championships mean something. So you guys have a restart on that one. The AEW Women's Championship. Again, Thunder Rose is out. Tony Storm's the interim champion here. You guys can do something with Tony Storm and make her become prevalent. You guys are already doing that with this upcoming week on Dynamite. You guys have her in a tag match of Tony and Hukaru Shida going against Serena Deed and Britt Baker. In that, you can have Tony start having like little moments with Serena Deed and uh, Britt Baker. And even with Hukaru Shida, her own tag team partner, have Britt Baker being, not Britt Baker, but Tony Storm being a little bit paranoid because this is her first time holding a world championship in American soil. So, again, we can start adding layers to the AEW Women's Championship and make that, again, significant. Because when Tony, uh, not Tony, God, Thunder Rosa was holding the Women's Championship, no disrespect to Thunder, it just wasn't doing much. And we all wanted Thunder to hold the belt. We wanted Thunder to get television time, but it just seems that Thunder Rosa just could never get that much television time. So, again, with a fresh restart and with people having their eyeballs locked onto AEW because AEW is the company that people assume has chaos in it. And whether people want to admit it or not, people like to see chaos happening. The drama. You guys have eyes on your product. You guys can start restarting things and fixing things that people didn't, that people noticed, but that. People were just winning along with the ride. Now that you guys got new eyeballs that probably were turned off from the product, now that they're back looking at the product, you guys can restart things and make your division better than what it once were. So you can rebuild back up the AEW Women's Championship. The Men Atlantic Championship, that's Pac's championship. He's flying around all around with that one. The Trio Championships, we can just have Trio start having matches and we can start saying, hey, yo, this is for this thing. If you win this, you get to face Death Triangle. Or next week, if you beat So So Team, you get Death Triangle. We can make the Trios Championship literally a championship that's defended on television. Because again, everybody's like seeing the high flying action of the Pentagon, the Phoenix, and even Pac. That's good. Pac having two championships. It can set up a little thing with somebody in the trios, the opposition trios that's going against the Death Triangle. One person can challenge Pac for the Mid-Atlantic Championship because he pins Pac and say that, well, I pinned you. I get a shot at the Mid-Atlantic Championship. And also, my guys, we want the Trio Championship. Like I said, you add levels and layers to what you guys are doing right now. Again, you can make these championships worth something. Jade is the only championship that I'm going to have a problem with because the TBS Championship right now, Jade is literally 37-0 and 0 right now. And she's beaten, to my knowledge, about everybody on the AEW Women's roster right now. I believe so. So, you guys can try to bring in new women, like women that's on the independent and give Jade a good fight and all that type of stuff. Jade wins until you find somebody for Jade to beat. But the TBS title, you can figure something out with that one. Again, you can restart that, figure it out. Jade's unstoppable. But you guys got to figure out, okay, who can we figure out to beat Jade for the championship. Again, you guys have a nice restart button at your position right now as AEW, as a company. You guys have a nice restart situation. Take it. Take this opportunity that was basically handed to you and just run the ball. 
figure out some stuff with your championships because the championships will keep people around. Who do you want as your world champion? The tag team champion, TNT champion, all these other belts. Figure it out. And with the CM Punk situation, if CM Punk is to be fired, announce that. Probably want to announce it a little bit later after the Authorash uh, situation so you guys can regain and keep more audience members locked eyes onto your product. But if CM Punk is going to be staying with your company, you can be dead set quiet all the way through and through until Punk is uh, healthy again. And even then, he can still be quiet. You can do the whole MGF situation. Nobody mentioned Punk's name or people can mention Punk's name. You can go either route you want to go with it. I would say don't have people make references the way that MGF did whenever he confronted Moxley this week on Dynamite when he told Moxley that you went to sleep at the uh, pay-per-view and he made the go-to-sleep hand reference. Um, Have Punk go away. Punk's using this time for the suspension or whatever to recovery time to recover from the surgery that he just had or he's going to get. And have him just build himself back up. He's an older man. He can't do but so much things in the ring as we obviously can see now. So have him be a guiding like phone call to the uh, FTR. Have him be that phone call. FTR would get phone calls from sporadically from time to time. Again, it's something that you could just add levels to. People will try to figure out, okay, who is calling up FTR? And then you could just constantly build that upon that. Because FTR has been making tweets from time to time saying that they would like to have tag team matches. They miss tag team wrestling. So FTR could easily get a type of match on Dynamite, build it into whatever they want to do. But the main thing is, FTR is getting phone calls. Who are they getting phone calls from? And you can build it up for, okay, people think it might be CM Punk. Let them think it's Punk. Let them think it's somebody else. Give them a red herring. Do something else that make people think, okay, it's not Punk. It's this guy. It's easy to do. It's all about what you want to do with it. But long story less long here. Have Punk be away and then... Have him come back as the villain. That's basically what I'm trying to get here. Have Punk come back as the villain because right now the AEW fan base, about a good, I'll say what, 70% view CM Punk as the bad guy because of what happened to Kenny and the Bucks. The Bucks and Kenny are the elite. They are guys that are hometown darlings to the AEW fans, like the diehard, like tribal, like fans of AEW. And... Guess what? Have Punk be legitimately Satan. Have him work with MJF. And people are going to say, oh my god. Yes, have Punk and MJF work together. And people might say, how does that work? How does that going to make sense? You can make it make sense. Punk is MJF's hero. That's the reason why MJF has such an obsession with CM Punk. Why do you think somebody wants likes to constantly battle somebody over and over again? Because they have an obsession. MGF has an obsession with CM Punk. That is his mentor. That is his guy. CM Punk is his guy. Is already been into lore of MJF. We had the rivalry at the beginning of the year of these two. A passion rivalry of MGF basically trying to get at his hero for 
letting him down and basically creating this monster that he is now. So MGF and CM Punk could form together an alliance. And CM Punk could do what Paul Heyman did for CM Punk in his run of 2013. That's all I'm trying to say. Just be the mouthpiece. Yes, Punk can wrestle, but just have him be wrestling mm, sporadically. Not all the time, just whenever it's necessary for him to do something. That's what I'm saying. Just have him be literally the devil and MGF be the spawn of the devil. Because that's what it is. Then you can tie it back into FTR and Punk siding back with MGF and kind of rebuilding back the pinnacle in Punk's eyes and fashion of how it should be with a veteran that actually could bring you guys to the promised land, not an old-timey vet that was back in his day, but no, a vet that was able to cash in in the 2010s and was able to cash in in the 2020s. Punk knows what it takes to get to the top. Ta-da! So, the pinnacle with Punk, MGF, FTR, you could bring in Warlow back in here with that, but I don't think Warlow's going to do it. You could bring in another big powerhouse person. Who at this time? I don't know. You could snap up Morrissey away from Stokely if you do that one, but I don't know if you want to do that. You could just bring in another person. Mm, probably a Jake something, because Jake something isn't doing nothing, and he's a incredible athlete, an incredible wrestler, so that'll probably be my best gig. Get Jake something, FTR, MJF, CM Punk, period, right there, that would be the new fresh pinnacle right there for you, all in the waking image of CM Punk, because he can guide all of them to being legitimately the best in AEW, and then you can have MJF's, uh, well, CM Punk's new vision of the best going against the elite, because that's going to bound to happen, if Punk still stays with the company, so again, AEW, you guys are in a good shape right now. Yes, it looks dark right now because also, I forgot to mention, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Malachi Black, he did get his release. Well, it's been reported he got his release from AEW, and people are saying that uh, there's some type of condition that Malachi can't like wrestle for a specific wrestling company for the next six months. I don't know that yet. I just know that it's been reported that Malachi has been released from AEW, so Malachi is no longer with AEW Wrestling. So, um, AEW is in a dark spot, but you guys are not down and out. No, you guys are have you guys are hitting bumps in the road. WWE hit bumps in the road. TNA has hit bumps in the road. Ring of Honor hit bumps in the road. New Japan hit bumps in the road. It comes with the wrestling business, but AEW. You guys are hitting bumps in the road. You guys are still fresh. People are still tuning in. People might say, I'm not going to tune in no more because blah, blah. They're lying. They are lying out their butt. They're going to tune in because they want to see what's going to happen. And you guys are the alternative to WWE. So, AEW, Tony Khan, the backstage personnels, the men and women. You guys are all in good hands. Please just figure out a way to keep... Your mouth shut. Stop running your mouth towards each other. If you guys have a problem with somebody, talk to them. And I don't mean whenever you're upset. Talk to some, Talk to the person that you're upset about, that you're upset with whenever you're calm. And say, hey, yo, I didn't like what you said out there. Or, hey, yo, you kind of snugged me out there. You got to relax on hitting me hard. You got to pull back on some of those. That's all wrestling is, just communication. You guys got to pick the right spot 
to communicate and when to communicate. Not when somebody's just coming off of a press conference, coming off the table, being pissed off, shooting flames and shooting a clip. And then, okay, I'm going to meet him at his locker room now. Probably not the best idea. Take a breather. I'll see him at the next Dynamite taping. I'll talk to him there. Or, hey, I'll wait, give it up two weeks, and then I'll talk to him then. And he might say, he or she might say, why did you wait so long? Because I'm waiting for you to calm yourself down. And at that time, I was pissed too. So I'm not going to lead to something else big. So again, with that, keep your business backstage, one. Two, don't spread your rumors or whatever the crap is to the dirt sheet writers, the wrestling journalist that's going to ultimately flip it to make clicks for them and basically cause a whole lot much more drama to your locker room. And three, for the love of God, if you have a problem with a wrestler, just talk. You guys are all human beings at the end of the day. When you take off your freaking outfits and you put on regular shirt and pants or suit, you guys are regular people at the end of the day. Okay, don't get too wrapped up in wrestling. There's life out of wrestling. You guys have to see other people. You guys have to see each other before you guys get in the ring, before you guys be turned into the character that you guys are in the ring, okay? You guys are people. You guys got to figure that stuff out amongst yourself. Don't let the people that are not backstage know what's going on. So, with that being said, AEW, Tony Khan, I wish you guys luck in everything you guys are going to be doing because I will be watching and I hope you guys uh, figure out a way to get through past all this. You guys can. It's all about how you do it. So with that all being said, ladies and gentlemen, that has been your wrestling highlights of the week. I have been G2. I want you guys to have a lovely Saturday. I have a Sunday episode that's coming out tomorrow. I would love it if you guys could check it out. If not, AI understand it. Uh, With that being said, have a great Saturday. Don't be a dick. Be lovely to other people. Everybody's a human being. And if you feel like you don't know who to talk to, you have suicidal tendencies, I always have the suicide hotline in the description. So with that all being said, I love you. I thank you. And Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh Jesus wept.